Join me in saying praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. One more time. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. My name is Isaiah Marshall, and I am the student ministry director here at Strong Tower Bible Church. And it is a pleasure, um, as well as very humbling, to stand before you and share what the Lord has placed on my heart. So if you have your Bibles, can you please turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting at verse 3. And while you are turning to 2 Timothy, I wanted to share this poem with you all. It's called Sermons We See by Edgar Guest, who is considered the people's poet. And I think it speaks to the title of this message, Show and Tell. It says, I'd rather see a sermon than him one any day. I'd rather one walk with me than merely tell the way. The eyes a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the ones who live their creeds. For to see good put in action is what everybody needs. I soon can learn to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lecture you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lessons by observing what you do. For I might misunderstand you and that high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. I think this poem highlights a very important point, that you can't tell without showing, nor can you show without telling. We have an opportunity, even more, a responsibility to both show and tell. And as I pray through and seeking what the Lord wanted me to share with you all, he led me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting at verse 3. And I'm going to read it. It says, I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did. When I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day, recalling your tears, I long to see to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I am reminded, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed, then, of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. 
but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For the gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. And for this reason, I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed. For I know the one whom, have put, whom I have put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard unto that day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. Let us pray. Father God, I am humbled, Lord. I am thankful, Lord God, that you have called me, Lord, to serve in this house, Lord. Father God, I pray that you prepare the hearts of the listeners, Lord. May they receive what it is you would have them to receive. And Lord, may I hide behind the cross so that it is you that is seen, Lord. Speak to me and speak through me, Lord. And let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So every morning when I drop off my daughter, before I leave her class, my daughter and I, we do our special handshake that ends with give God the glory. Give God the glory. I like to do this because as her father, I am trying to model the type of faith I pray to one day see in her. So we are giving God the glory in song. And it blesses my heart to walk around the house and hear my daughter and son scream out, praise the Lord and hallelujah and amen. And as their father, I am intentional about teaching them the word of God. As I realize that the faith of our kids in many ways is a reflection of the faith of their parents, which means as parents and adults, we must model the type of faith we pray to see in our students. Of course, there are things we can't control, but what we can control is what we are telling them and what we are showing them by the way we live our lives. Show and tell. Adults, we must model the type of faith we pray to see in our students. Adults in this house, I pray that you be moved to action. But this is not limited to just adults. Students also have a responsibility to model the faith they wish to see in others. Students, I, re I am reminded of what Paul said to a young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, when he says, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. Students, I pray that you be moved to action. We all need mentors and models in our lives. Those who will set an example for us. Those wonder women and supermen, the ordinary people who do super things. As I reflect and think about my own upbringing, I am reminded of those individuals who were models for me, those Paul-like figures in my life. 
And as I was praying through this message, the Lord brought to mind one, one of the individuals who had a great impact in my life, which is my high school track coach. Now, I ran for my high school coach for four years. And mind you, when I introduced myself, I introduced myself as Isaiah. But for some reason, for four years, my coach called me Isaac. <laughs> I'm, not really, I'm not really sure why, but after a while, I just embraced it. But I ran track through high school, college, and was blessed with the opportunity to compete over in Europe for a couple of weeks. But when I started my track career, I wasn't always, I wasn't that fast. In fact, many of my teammates would often talk about me because I wasn't on a level. In fact, one of my most embarrassing moments happened in one of my first high school track and field meets. In one of my first high school track meets, I ran a mile. So for those of you who are not that familiar with track and field, a mile is four laps around an outdoor track. And so in this particular race, as I got about halfway through the third lap, I noticed this young lady run up beside me. And as she passed by me, she said something that I thought was a little disrespectful. <laughs> she passed me and said, good job. So I took off sprinting, thinking it was my last lap and passed her back. It wasn't until I passed the finish line that I realized that I had another lap to go. But at this point, I knew I was in trouble. So as I got about halfway through the fourth and final lap, this same young lady ran up beside me. But this time, as she passed by me, she said, nice try. And I thought to myself, she is very disrespectful. Now, I don't, I don't really share this, mess, this story much because I'm still trying to forget about it because it was very embarrassing. But I just want to add this disclaimer. There's nothing wrong with a young man being beat by a girl, even though at the time I thought it was something wrong with it because I had an ego. But there's nothing wrong with that. And that's not the part that I want to forget. The part that I want to forget is the part that happened next. Because as I slowly approached the finish line, I decided to do what anybody else in my situation would have done. I faked an injury. So, so I, I fell to the ground holding my hamstring. And out of nowhere, I hear my coach yell out, Isaac, get up. Don't nobody pull their hamstring running a mile that slow. Man. I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed. But I trust you all with that story. But my coach... My coach, he never gave up on me. My coach, through our relationship, he modeled to me what it looked like to invest in the lives of students, which I attribute to him, part of the reason why I have such a great passion for serving students. He saw something in me that I did not see in myself, and he invested in me. He made serving students his life work. He took a group of inner-city students and invested his time, his energy, his resources, and his patience. A group of students from an environment where we were often told that we were more likely to go to jail than to go to college. Well, 
Many of us avoided the former jail and obtained the latter college education. A rose that grew from concrete, defying the odds. He not only told us, but he also showed us. And many of us listened to the wisdom in which he spoke to us, but unfortunately, some did not show and tell. When we look at this text, we see that Paul was a model for Timothy. Paul, the person who related how he persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it, according to Galatians 1.13. Many have suffered the unjust wrath of Paul for the sake of the gospel. And now Paul was suffering the unjust wrath of others for the sake of the same gospel. Paul was a model for Timothy. He not only talked about matters of faith and what it means to suffer for the gospel, but he showed it by by the way he lived his life. Some suggest that Timothy may have been converted under Paul's ministry because the apostle Paul refers to Timothy as his beloved and faithful son in the Lord in 1 Corinthians and as his true son in the faith in 1 Timothy. But Paul wasn't alone. He wasn't the only one that invested in the life of Timothy. In verse 3, Paul says, I am grateful to God whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did. We see that Paul was the beneficiary of his ancestors' faith. And it seems that he gives credit to those who modeled the faith he now has. Paul, Timothy's spiritual father, is thinking about Timothy. And Timothy is constantly in his prayers. It's this picture of this close relationship, this teacher and student, this father and son. But again, Paul wasn't alone. There were others who invested in Timothy. Because in verse 5, Paul tells us that the sincere faith that dwells in Timothy is a reflection of the faith that dwelt in his mother Eunice and in his grandmother Lois. Paul highlights that both he and Timothy have inherited their faith from others. There were other people in their lives who were telling them what it meant to serve the Lord, but but not just telling them, showing them by the way they lived their lives, show and tell. The Bible tells that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So Paul, who has taken Timothy under his wings to model the faith he prays to see in Timothy, sets out to remind Timothy of some specific things as it relates to faith. Paul says in verse 6 that, For this reason I remind you to rekindle the gift. The NIV says to fan into flame the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. Paul uses this image of fire to remind Timothy to constantly stir up or use the gift God has given them to advance God's kingdom. And don't just allow that gift to sit dormant. To just sit on the gift that God has given us is to sacrifice the gift. And for many many of us, it's fear that leads us to just sit on the gift God has blessed us with. But it's through that gift that God uses us to reach others. 
it seems that Timothy might have been a little timid because Paul tells Timothy in verse 7, For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice or fear, but rather a spirit of power and love and self-control. Paul then transitions to encourage Timothy to be bold in his faith, telling Timothy. In verse 8, Paul says, Do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me for the gospel, relying on the power of God. In other words, Paul is saying, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. And because God did not give us a spirit of fear, do not, do not be ashamed to proclaim the goodness of our Savior. Do not be ashamed to take the light of the gospel into this dark world. And do not be ashamed of me, his prisoner, who is suffering for this gospel. Through the power of the Spirit in you, boldly proclaim to the world about our Savior. It appears that Paul, in verses 8 through 12, is challenging Timothy to follow in his footsteps, which seems to be a central theme in this letter. Because in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, Paul says, Now you have followed my teachings, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings. Yet, the Lord rescued me from them all. Paul pointed to someone greater than himself. Yes, I am going through all these things, but it is the Lord that is bringing me through. He is rescuing me, and he will do the same for you. Again, Paul is challenging Timothy to walk in his footsteps. Also within this section, we see a clear connection between the call for Timothy to not be ashamed, but join with me in suffering for the gospel in verse 8. And Paul's statement for that for the gospel, I suffer, but am not ashamed. Paul does not just tell Timothy, you be ashamed. But Paul himself is being an example of what it looks like to not be ashamed. Paul does not just tell Timothy, you suffer for the gospel. But Paul himself shows Timothy what it looks like to suffer for the gospel. Show and tell. Although Paul was showing and telling Timothy about matters of faith, Paul could not take the credit for himself. Because as we saw in verse 5, that the faith that dwelt in, in Timothy is the same faith that dwelt in his grandmother. And also in his mother. In fact, Paul says in 2 Timothy, Timothy 3.15, From childhood you have known the sacred writings that are, that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. A solid biblical foundation was set in Timothy by his mother and his grandmother. And what he learned from them was reinforced by Paul. However, it was Timothy's responsibility to listen and follow, as it is for us all. Just as Timothy's mother helped establish a solid foundation in Timothy, my mom did the same for me. 
My mom is my shero. <laughs> she is certainly a wonder woman. My mom is the fourth youngest of 15 kids, which means the Thompson home, there was never a dull moment. <laughs> but my mom has taught me very valuable lessons, not only with her words, but also by the way she lived her life. A life of faith in the one who gives life. My mom was a single parent raising two rebellious kids, sons. Along with raising two boys, my mom was in school full time and working full time. I can remember going through some challenges in my life and reflecting on how my mom did what she did. And I remember asking her, you know, how, how did you do it? And she responded, I didn't think about it. I just did it. I had two kids depending on me. I didn't have a choice. Her faith and her hope was in someone greater than herself. But as you can imagine, as a rebellious young son, sometimes I listened to my mother and sometimes I did not. I can remember after graduating high school, having some success in track and field, I thought I was the man. And I wanted to be like, you know, all my other peers. I wanted to be a professional athlete. And I wanted to go to a big university uh, to, to hopefully make that hope come true. But my mom would often, often encourage me. She would say, I think you should consider or you should consider going to an HBCU, a historically black college university. But again, I wanted to do my own thing. So I started off at Mississippi State University, and after two years, guess what happened? I transferred to Tennessee State. <laughs> if I would have just listened, right? But that was, one of the, that was one of the most impactful decisions I made in my life. The first being when the Lord captured my heart on the campus of Mississippi State University at an FCA meeting. And I decided to surrender my life to him on the campus of Mississippi State. It's funny, though, because I was often told to go to college to find myself. But that night was being asked to come to the altar to deny myself. Because those who find their lives will lose it. And those who lose their lives for his sake will find it. That night on the campus of Mississippi State University, I didn't find life. Life found me. And I surrendered my life to him. But this transfer was one of the best decisions I made in my life because it was at Tennessee State University where I met my spiritual father, Lee Brown, who discipled, and he, who discipled me, who not only told me about what it means to serve the Lord, who not only taught me scripture, but he also showed it by the way he lived his life. It was at Tennessee State University that I met my bride. And it was at Tennessee State University that I became a college graduate, defying the odds, show and tell. But my mom, in the midst of going to school, working and raising two rebellious boys, was diagnosed with breast cancer back in 2003. It was through this process that my mother taught me about faith. 
because it was through this process I never saw my mother give up hope. And faith, according to the writer of Hebrews, is the reality of things hoped for and the substance of things unseen. Her hope was in the Lord. And she knew despite the outcome that the Lord was in control. And me being a mother's boy, I took this hard. This was difficult. But her hope was in the Lord. She believed that no matter what happened through that process, her hope was in the Lord, and he was in control. But again, sometimes I listened to my mother, and sometimes I did not. I should have listened to my mother when she told me, don't touch that iron or you'll get burned. <laughs> Lesson learned. I should have listened to my mother when I chose to go left when she said, make the right turn. My mother taught me that this world is a classroom, and I am a student in it. So with every turn, there is a lesson to be learned, so make sure you're taking notes. My mother is a protector. Her prayers were like a bulletproof vest that protected me from the bullets the enemy used to harm me. And then when it came to discipline, she wasn't the type to sidearm me, but her presence was the cold she needed to disarm me. My mother taught me many lessons, but she couldn't teach me how to be a man. She did the best she could with what she had, and what she had was unconditional love. And whenever I was sick with sadness from a broken heart, her hug was the medicine I needed. And though we rarely verbally said, I love you, she showed me. And I would much rather see love being performed like actors in a play than to hear someone say, I love you. Well, show me. Raising children is not easy. So imagine doing it alone like many women do. My mother was no different. Raising two boys to men, I could have called her father because she played that role so strong she deserves an Oscar. De La Hoya in the ring, the way she bobbed and weaved cast her to land a knockout blow. I thank the Lord every single day that my mother is cancer-free. My mother, a high school dropout turned nurse practitioner. I said, my mother is a high school dropout turned nurse practitioner. And even if I chose not to listen, her love stuck to me like twins who were conjoined. But it never separates. My mother taught me many lessons. And only at times did she use words I have learned. That the best teachers don't have to say anything. So when her life spoke, I listened, and that made all the difference. My mom taught me what it looks like to have faith. Because through the treatments and surgery, she taught me that not all superheroes wear a cape. I call mine's mom, Wonder Woman. But like Timothy, I had to listen and follow whenever my faith was tested. For example, back in 2015, when my wife and I was pregnant with our second child, we were excited. But early on in the pregnancy, we had a miscarriage. I was crushed. I remember thinking, Lord, I've been serving you with my life for all this time. How can you let this happen? 
I questioned God. I wrestled with God because I thought we would never be able to get pregnant again. But in my wrestling and in my questioning, I can remember God stopping me and saying, don't you remember? I lost my child too. When he was wounded for your transgressions and bruised for your iniquities, when he was carried up Calvary's hill and hung on the cross between two common thieves, my son was killed. But don't you remember how three days later he rose from the grave, proving that he is the son of God, offering salvation to those who have faith. In 2015, in June 2015, we lost our child. But in June 2016, the Lord blessed us with a healthy baby boy. Lord, I believe. Because it was my mom who first taught me who to believe in. Show and tell. But my question to you is, do you believe? Do you believe in the one who in the gospels told us that he would be crucified? And on the cross he showed us. Do you believe? Well, if you do, I pray that you take heed of the words of, our, of Paul and guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. I pray that you show and tell about the goodness of our Savior. But I'm aware that not all of us believe. If you don't believe, I pray that today you hear the words of our kings as he called out to his disciples, come, follow me. I pray that you listen to the voice of our Savior and follow him. When you're called into this world for the sake of the world, to transform the world, and I pray that we all be like Paul and be unashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God through salvation for those who have faith. I pray that you show and tell. I pray that we listen and follow. We all need models and examples in our lives. But there's no greater example than our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us. And I pray that we all listen to the voice of our Savior and that all the days of our lives we follow him. Let us pray. Father God, I come to you, Lord, humbly, Lord. Lord God, thanking you for this opportunity to share what you have placed on my heart. Lord God, I just, I just thank you for being able to serve in this house, Lord. Lord God, I, pr I pray that you continue to, to use us, Lord God. I pray that we... Um, be bold and show and tell, Lord. And that we be obedient and listen and follow you, Father. And Lord God, I pray that as we go into this dark world, as we take the light in, of the gospel into this dark world, that we be bold, Lord God. Be willing to suffer for the gospel. And Lord God, I pray that as we leave this place, I pray that the light that is within us be the light that shines through us. It's in the name that's above every name.
in the name that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you.